Welcome to AM. My name is Richard Conway, and this is the platform for age group multi-sport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome to the 39th episode of AMP and on this episode we have age group guest who was a former fell runner, um, Candice Hayes for GB and Candice has got a fantastic attitude on life um, calling three things that stopped her doing what she wanted to do i.e. fell running, uh, her three gifts, it's a really good story, really great journey and she's took the negatives in her life and spun them round and made them positive. We also discuss um, the menopause because Candice found out that she was going through the menopause relatively early and at the time didn't realise what, what it was. So after visiting a doctor, um, they still didn't think that it was the menopause and put it down to depression. But having um, took a second opinion, it was diagnosed as uh, the onset of menopause. So, yeah, that's a really interesting topic. And I thank um, Candice for being quite candid about what she's going through um, now and has been for uh, some time. And hopefully it'll help um, somebody in the future who's listened to this and maybe going through the same thing. So that's coming up. Hope you enjoy it. Um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, continuing with the coach to 5K, I was back at the track um, on Saturday morning with WBC, my club, and it was nice to be running with people, actually. Um, albeit, I was still doing the couch to 5K sessions, but running with people just makes a massive difference, doesn't it? It just makes it a lot easier, the time go quicker. So that was cool, enjoyed that. Um, decided to take up uh, another athletic AI plan. Um, I've just plumped for one of the Olympic distance plans. It's about a 12 week plan, just because it'll give me something to do and aim for over the winter. And was in the pool the other day, got me form goggles on, just wanted to see what my pace was like and when I was um, trying to continue to master this new stroke that I'm doing from the uh, Ocean Walker Academy and uh, yeah I was pleasantly surprised slow is fast by the way <laughs> so I've found if I try to rush it I'm, uh, I'm slower which is pretty much what you expect I guess so that was pretty cool um, these goggles have also now they've added um, workouts on them so you can actually just download a workout that you want and it's there in front of you. So absolute game changer. If you haven't seen them, check them out. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. I just think they're a, they're an absolute game changer, uh, as I've said before on the podcast. Uh, took a week out and uh, me and Mrs C went up to the Lake District. Um, went cycling up in Grisdale Forest and kayaking on Windermere. And that was nice. We had a couple of really wet days, but other than that, it's beautiful up there. 
fantastic. And the funny thing was, um, where we were stopping in Hawkshead, the biggest town next to it is Ambleside, um, top of Lake Windermere. And we actually drove through Candice's village, or it must have been a dozen times at least, unknowingly. And um, yeah, when we found out on the podcast, that was that was quite funny. Uh, we could have done it live, but never mind, that's the way it goes. Um, so yeah, we had a had a good time, nice break up there. And um been watching the cycling last weekend, the British National Championships, which were actually held in Lincolnshire. Um we were gonna go over on Sunday morning and watch the road racing, but it was absolutely chucking it down, so we didn't bother. We just stopped at home and watched it on the TV, uh, in the comfort of our own home, which was quite nice. Great atmosphere, great crowds and great racing. So credit to Lincolnshire. Been listening to a couple of podcasts this week as well. One's by Twin Brothers, uh, The Happy Pair, it's called. Um, and they're pretty much food-orientated. They've got their own fruit and veg shop, I think, over in Ireland. And they're trying to make fruit and veg sexy again. That's the premise. Uh, but they have all these different guests on their podcasts uh, to do with lifestyle and food and wellness and uh, well-being. And on the episode that I listened to, they spoke to an Australian vegan um, guru, I suppose. you. He's got his own podcast, and this guy's called Simon Hill. And he's got his own podcast, he's got his own website, he, he's wrote a book, um, he's got his own restaurant over in Australia called Eden over in uh, Bondi Beach. Uh, and the second podcast that I was listening to was um, Helen Murray's The Try Show. And she had ultra runner Lucy Bartholomew on, who has decided to go from ultra running um, that she's been really successful with since she started. And I think she was about 15 when she started um, to have a go at an Ironman. Uh, and it's just a journey from actually being a, a pro runner um, and top of the game to, I think she's pretty much fell out of love with it a little bit, um, to trying to do an Ironman and what that entailed her uh, uh, doing. And there's a couple of, couple of podcasts there to listen to. I found them really interesting. And uh, if you have any podcast ideas or things that you listen to, just drop us a line. I'm always looking for new new uh, or just dm me i'm always looking for new podcast material to listen to while i'm working uh, and finally the british triathlon have started a new initiative uh, it's a month long history starts now campaign and it's to celebrate black history month uh, and they've put some figures up on their website and the um, multimedia posts that they're putting out that uh pretty shocking really that only 2.4% of the home nation members are from ethnic minority backgrounds or as they put eth ethnically diverse backgrounds so they want to readdress this and I, you know it's about time as well I think you know when you go to races there's uh, not very many ethnic minorities that take part and uh, 
there's got to be a reason for that and I, I guess there's several reasons for it um, so they're trying to put out some uh, educational programs to promote positive culture changes and they're going to establish a black triathlete network so that'll be cool uh, I was speaking to a couple of guys that I follow on uh, Instagram and I'm trying to get one of them to come on the podcast uh, and the other guy he's over in America and he says it's the same over there he's usually one of the only black uh, athletes that is in the field so um, yeah I think it's a worldwide problem that needs addressing um, because it's sport for all at the end of the day uh, and it'd be great to see more of the ethnic minorities taking part in our sport that's fantastic so good luck with that British try and I think that's about it I don't think I've got much else to waffle on about I think I've took enough time already so now it's time for the main event I uh, hope you enjoy it and uh, over to Candice Hayes I'll see you on the other side thank you for coming on uh, much appreciated giving us your time uh, loved your email <laughs> loved the way you broke it up into you know your your gifts I thought that was brilliant really really good so um, yeah don't be nervous like I said just just be yourself and um, just tell us a little bit about well basically what you put in your email tell us a little bit about your back I guess my sporting sort of stuff started when I were about 11 or 12 I came home from school and um, I'd done some sprint some kind of sprint racing down on the playing fields I don't think it were a full-on sports day but it were like a mini sports day or something like that and I remember every single race I got beat by my friend like she was this <laughs> like little really slim girl and I once thought I were, I were that at the time and uh, I was just kept beating me and I went home and said to my dad she keeps beating, she's beating me in every race. And my dad said, well, you better come out running with me then if, um, you know, if you want to beat her. So... Is <laughs> your dad a runner? It, at the time, he was playing football and then right. dabbling a little bit in marathons. So he'd oh. go out, he used, to, um, he used to work night shift. And when I got home from school, he'd be getting up, getting himself ready. And the first thing he'd do is go out for a run. So he started um, taking me with him. At the time, it felt like he took me on his run, but really he must have been taking me on his warm-up. He'd do like a lap round block with me and then drop me off at home. So I started running then. Um, yeah, and I just loved it. I loved that time with my dad and that bond, and we didn't have to speak. Yeah. We just went side by side, and it were comp I just loved it from like really quite young. But I didn't compete. I'd get asked to do races at school, and... Uh, something always went wrong and I really didn't enjoy competing at all when I was young so I just kind of managed to get out of as many races as I could I just enjoyed running with my dad really um, <laughs> and then got to about well I was 23 when I had my daughter so quite young looking back but um yeah it's had its advantages having a young so um I had my daughter at 23 and at that point in time I had this like realization of um responsibility I didn't think it were right responsible to go out running on streets on my own at uh dark nights and by this time I were running more than my dad and I were pretty like into it just from a casual fitness point of view but um yeah so I joined 
Trawden Running Club, which were a small running club mm. near to me. And within like a few months, I'd say they were saying to me, oh, you know, you, you need to be going to Clayton Harriers. It's a much bigger club and they've all sorts of different sessions you could get involved in. And so one of the husbands of the ladies I was running with actually ran for Clayton. And anyway, they 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 got me over there, really. And I joined uh, Clayton Harriers um, and then really found out, out what running were really about, <laughs> speed sessions, interval work, miles and miles on a Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, needless to say, I loved it. I had a, there's a, there were a great guy there running the sessions who really helped me. Um, as with running clubs, they like cajole you into doing this relay and that relay. And I, uh, I actually, that's, I'd never heard of fell running or mountain running. Um, but they did Tuesday night off-road and that's where I really, really started to love um, off-road running. Mm. And um, basically, I just, I love that so much. I got quite good at it <laughs> yeah. and then went to the selection races again it's so everybody like saying to me oh you should do this and you should do that and just went with the floor yeah. um so what sort of distances were you doing i were doing um mainly short and medium distance fell races um so they were like up to eight ten eight ten miles so anything oh. from like three up to like okay. the maximum would have been about 12 or 13 um I had to do the odd long one for um, the British and English Championships sort of um, qualifier thing. But What's the long one? one? The long ones, they're like, they, they usually in the fell champions, they go up to about 20, you know, marathon sort of right. distance. Yeah. Um, I think the longest I did, well, I'd done the Three Peaks um, fell race, which was about 24 miles. Right. Uh, and yeah, but I much preferred the shorter stuff. Um, and yeah, so I got selected for GB mountain running team. And this yeah, I didn't week, even know that was a thing. <laughs> oh, well, neither did I until a few years before. Or like I'd never, I'd seen this big hill on my doorstep, Pendle Hill. And I knew people walked up and down it. I'd done that. But I had no clue that you would actually be able to physically run up and down that and maybe yeah. twice or three times in a night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, and then when they brought me up to the Lake District and showed me what real fell running were all about, I, uh, yeah, I just blown away by the adventurous side of it, really. And yeah. the places you could go to and see, and that's rolled over into triathlon, all the stuff you can, um, all the different places you get to through racing. Mm -hmm. I found it incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was selected for the mountain running team. That would have been in about 2008. Um, before that, I'd had done the London Marathon as well because I'd fairly got into the road running, but then sort of found this fell running thing, got into that. Um, so about 2008, and yeah, I was just loving, loving life, loving the off-road stuff. Never dreamed of doing anything else but running. Running were just, that were it really, my life and soul. And uh, yeah, um, and went to the um, European Championships in Germany. Um, and then basically not long after that, I ended up 
getting a few problems and uh, mm. as I was saying my first gift was two stress fractures um, I had an evulsion fracture uh, which was caused by hitting uh, a rock and damaging my bone under my foot mm. and then um, basically I had this idea that I kind of got to my dream position in the in the mountain running world and I wanted to go back and have another shot at the marathon so right. I started training yeah I'd started training for London Marathon and that's when I then ended up with a stress fracture so with these two foot fractures happening and only running and obviously can't get on a bike with a stress fracture and I, I didn't even have a bike at this point anyway <laughs> um, I um I just started swimming. I the first stress fracture, the first fracture, I was doing breaststroke and you know, just basically swimming like um you see people just on holiday type of swimming, trying to get some fitness out of it and like trying to get my heart rate up. And anyway, before I knew it, I was back in the rehab thing for and my foot were getting better. But then when it happened the second time and got the next stress fracture, which wasn't actually that long after, because I kind of went straight into the marathon training. Yeah. And then, yeah, it wasn't too long before the next one happened. And um, I was so frustrated. And I thought, right, if this swimming thing and these injuries are going to be a thing, I'm going to actually need to learn to swim properly. Um, so I was lucky because I had a friend who um, had been a national swimmer as a child. Oh, Oh, yeah, so she, I just, <laughs> she showed me how to swim front crawl. Um, so she she did the usual stuff, trying to, you know, get the breathing technique right, really. Uh, get my legs up in the water and my balance in the water a bit. And then um, basically just left me to it. Um, and I did stick with it because I think I was so... Um, well, I had I found it really rough being injured. So I just thought yeah. I need something for when I'm injured. And so I kept up, yeah, kept up the swimming um, at least once a week, really. Um, and so that was swimming. That was swimming started, weren't it? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what, oh, yeah. So I, um, yeah, so we're doing the mountain running. Then, um, yeah, so it was marathon training, stress fractures. Then after that, I think it was to do with the marathon training. Basically, I um, I ended up with ba uh, back problems as well. I, I just don't think I were built for running miles and miles. Yeah. Um, I got I got um, diagnosed then with a spondylolisthesis in my spine, which we don't really know how that happened, or what caused it. Um, they Can you just explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah. Um, they don't know whether it came from an accident I had when I was a child and was just came about, was exasperated by the running, like it all. So basically, it's your um, your vertebrae in your spine, they stack up, obviously, one on top of the other, mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be all nice and neatly aligned. And with the spondylolisthesis, it means that the vertebrae have moved out of place, and I, I'm uh. not sure whether it's always that they move forwards but mine had slipped forwards so right. at first I was being diagnosed with like a bulging disc or a slip disc or whatever but, but actually when I eventually got the MRI scan um it was the actual um and it had basically come forward out of place and so the amount of miles I was trying to do running wise was just too much it 
It was mm. the most miles I'd ever been doing. And, um, and yeah, basically I aggravated this condition in my spine. So they were, I were mad on running. They're talking about operating and various things, but I had, have a good physio and she kind of like said, let's see what we can do. So yeah, it was a long process, about two years really, where I actually couldn't even think about running. I could hardly mm-hmm. sleep, never mind run. It was so painful. Yeah. So eventually husband bought me a giant road bike, the brand giant. It was a lovely yeah. blue one with, really nice like girly white handlebars and stuff and so gift number two being the the back problems got me the bike right cycling um and yeah so that that was when i started to do a bit of cycling but Mm. still i'm still thinking oh this is just so i can get back running um yeah and then um we we um we decided um, to, you know, a bit, I don't know, I kind of wanted to have adventures. I felt like I missed out a bit um, just mm. through, I just felt like I was injured all the time. So yeah. we decided um, to go and try and climb Mont Blanc. Um, we got this opportunity right. through a charity and I was just like, wow. And um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought this was like a great thing. I, I was doing plenty of strength and conditioning and stuff leading up to it. That was all a new thing back then as well. It was all the core stuff. I remember at planks hadn't very much been heard of in the running world, but everyone was mm-hmm. planking and all that had just come about. So I was doing all this. And then we went up Mont Blanc and then I'm carrying a big rucksack on my back daily and, and literally climbing up these rock faces and stuff. Um, and my knees started to hurt. And I thought, ouch, well, it's just, it'll just be from, you know, doing something different again. So I wasn't panicking, but I definitely felt gritty, like grumbly knees, let's put it that way. Anyway, I came back from the, the, um, from that and um, got back home from that. And the knees just got worse and worse um so the, i should have said the thing that sorted my, my back out in the end was that i had two um injections in my spine right that was much better um I, and i'm and i'm meant i come back with these knees and i'm thinking i'm determined i'm thinking it's something and nothing they're just a bit grumbly you know mm. Anyway, cutting a long story short, they didn't get any better. I ended up going to see um, uh, orthopedic consulting. And the, the first one I saw, he um, he said th- there was definitely something wrong with my right knee and he did an arthroscopy and cleared it out. There was some like cartilage damage on the back of the kneecap and um, there were bits of floaters in there. Probably, you know, it's quite common um, and cleared it out. And that was a lot better. But I said, but what about my left knee? It's it's sort of, it feels like it's getting worse. And the right mm-hmm. one was the worst when I first came to see you, but something wrong with this left one. And he said, oh, you, yeah, it won't it won't be like your right one. Go and get some RT band um, treatment and work on your RT bands and strengthening up both of your knees. So I did. Um, and I went at the, the strengthening work consistently, you know, like a good girl wanting to get back running, still wanting to get back running. Um, And then um, basically it didn't get any better. It just got worse and worse. It was absolutely excruciating. And um, I knew there was something wrong, badly wrong. So I went to see another, I got a second opinion. And the the second um, 
surgeon just said the back of my kneecap was basically ruined now um and it'd been ruined because it was the same as the other knee and all the debris floating around in it had basically just you know aggravated and aggravated each other until i've basically got no cartilage left on the back of my kneecap um the good news was that the rest of my knees are in good nick doesn't that go to show that you should listen to your body because you know your body more than anybody else that first consultant you know good all the the best will in the world unless he unless you get a, an x-ray or a, an mri they don't know they're just guessing aren't they exactly exactly yeah. But you know because it's your your body, isn't it? It's, and because you're so in tune with your body as well, because you look after it and you work it, you know when there's something not right. So you do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, look at what, look at where it got you. Yeah, and this this were probably like we're talking about you know six months in between being told no, you know, go and strengthen up and and everything yeah. else. Um, and you, you know, you think to yourself, it is going to take a, a while to get strong. Mm. So, you know, injuries, they don't take. And having spent two years with sorting out my back condition, yeah. once didn't, you know, it, I, I didn't just didn't know if I would just, um, yeah, I would just, I suppose I was younger as well. And like you say, you, you do learn, you learn to listen to your body. You really, you do. And that's one of the things I'm ever, I, that's probably another gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think so, yeah. it's something that we do we do learn as we get older not to not to take GPs and the so-called experts at face value and if you're not happy with something and you don't feel it's right then you know you've got to pursue it and you quite rightly did that with you you know going to the second the second guy that you saw yeah and um, so he said I will he can clear the the broken bits out and um he could try i can't remember the technical name for this but he, he did something with my muscles on the uh outer side of my knee um mm. and it was to try and help the kneecap start to track in the right alignment again because mm. it was kind of all out of alignment um and he said um you know he couldn't repair the damage so after the surgery, I was like, um, so what about running again? Mm. <laughs> and uh, he just said, well, to be honest, he said, well, I've not seen anybody with your condition ever run again. He said, certainly not seriously. Um, he said, but I have often seen people who defy all what I can see on the scans. He said, so if you want to try, try it go and try and I, I said well will I be doing myself any more damage because by this point I'm beginning to seriously question whether um you know I love running and I don't want to let go of it but I were beginning to question whether or not it was really seriously worth it not just for my but for my mental health as well because yeah. it was yeah. a constant roller coaster um anyway um when he said I could try and I wasn't going to be doing any more damage to my body I thought Right then, so off I went again. <laughs> I, I, again I was so blessed to have a, a physio who I'd known for quite a few years by now, and she's so supportive and really always wanting to try and help people achieve their own personal goals. And, and she said she would work with me long term. We knew it was going to be a long term thing. And she said she'd 
they like yeah look after me long term so I thought right well let's see see what happens then so started trying to get back when it took quite a while but but by this point I, I, I had my lovely giant my nice blue bag and I was still swimming I, I was walking I, I'd bought a pair of rollerblades um, and then I'd come across this thing called an elliptical it's like a cross trainer you know like the yeah, is that what they call the ellipticals? The, the cross yeah. trainers in the gym, yeah. the ellipticals. It's like that, but it's got wheels on it. So, yeah, and you actually can't use your arms on these ones. It's like a handlebar stood up, and then your feet are going like the elliptical in the gym. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about that was because of my knees on the cycling, I was limited because of the way that you, um, the the sort of fuller circular motion that your knees having to go through yeah. um so it was less um for the joint on this mm. elliptical thing um so I was, I was doing all that anyway um i started to think to myself well what can i do then uh still feel like i am you know i'm pretty fit and uh I, and i and then i thought well <laughs> what about a sprint triathlon and that's how we all started really that big long journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the three things, the fractures, the knees, yeah. and the back that had all been the worst, like you know, they'd been pretty tough to deal with. I know that there's a lot worse things in life. Um, but at, for me at the time they were pretty bad. Um and but then now I look back on every single one of them as a gift. Yeah, if it hadn't have been, then I wouldn't be doing triathlon. I wouldn't have had this like amazing time learning all these new stuff that you get to learn when you were triathlete. Um, meeting all these, oh, just so many nice people. And yeah. I've got new friends. I've got, I've kept all my old friends, but I've got new friends. And um, yeah, so that's why the three gifts. Um, and yes, yeah, so I did obviously get to do the sprint try. I, I, um, I started thinking sprint try because it was still painful to run like three, three K was about the point where I started to think I want to go home. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually with a lot of um, just taking everything really slowly, cracking on with physio really regularly and eventually five K became like a, manageable and mm. i could start to look at all the different types of running again i just have to avoid hills really yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there was no, not going to be no more running up mountains that's for sure um yeah. well upham's not too bad it's coming down which um, is bizarre isn't it because you would think it would be up that would be the problem but <laughs> yeah. yeah it sounds a, a lot worse um so yeah so i got um Basically, I started doing, I did a couple of local ones, I suppose everybody starts yeah, local. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I had Did you know anybody, time. sorry, did you know anybody that was doing tries already from like, sometimes there's an overlap in running clubs, isn't there? You get the odd, odd triathlete at a running club and sometimes yeah. more than one or two. At the time, I didn't know anybody yeah. from the running club but what had happened is from my running club i had a friend who had a friend who cycled so i i'd already made a new friend and i was going out cycling with this girl called molly and yeah. uh, we've become really good friends and then she just did triathlons 
she was talking to me one time about um she was actually doing a duathlon um guy she was doing it with had been she was telling me this guy had been selected for this age group gb so that's how you came across it the first time yeah Yeah. so i I, I is pricked up and i and i said to molly oh you're good enough to do that Mo. why don't you ever go like you know if if you're you're running and cycling with this guy and he's got selected why don't you ever go and then Anyway, that was just a conversation. But from me telling her to have a go, I suddenly thought, oh, why don't I have a go? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I did. I, I looked it up and um, and I uh, I went to, I can't, oh, it must have been Southport. Yeah, Southport right, um, yeah, was the closest. Yeah. So I decided I'll, I'll, I'll put Southport on the diary and, and go and have a, a crack at that. Um, and yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I qualified. Um, wow. So that would have been for Dusseldorf, I think, if I'm getting my dates mm-hmm. and everything right. I think that was yeah. for Dusseldorf. But in the build up to all this, I had started to manage to run. Um, as long as I stayed on the flat and I wasn't going adventurous and I stayed mm-hmm. on kind of relatively smooth surfaces, I was recovering all right with the knee. Um, yeah. It was a pain that was consistent every time I went out, but it never got any worse. So I was getting used to it all with the knees. Um, and I I basically started to think, I love in the swimming and I much preferred the like, longer swim and, and I liked being out on the bike. So um, I decided, I wonder if I could do a 10K. <laughs> 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 so, you do, do you? as this happens, and then everyone people start thinking Iron Man's, and then you where you get to. Oh yeah, it just goes up and up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. So I yeah. So I just said to the lady who was coaching me, um, at the time, I said, "Do you reckon I could do a standard distance?" And um, she said, "Well, yeah, let's have a go." So we didn't even train up to ten k. The longest one I did was eight k, and then on the day. Um, the I, I can't exactly remember where that triathlon were either. The um, it was somewhere nice, and I think it was Staffordshire somewhere. Right. And I remember turning up on the day thinking, "Oh, I don't know this um, like an additional two k on top of the eight that I, I know I can do is going to go." But anyway, and and I just remember just getting onto the run, and it was a couple of laps with a lot of um sort of out and around a corner and back again and then off down the road and around a corner and back again and um i was dead lucky because i had this guy who was really like um keeping me company in a way (laughs) and encouraging (laughs) um and i remember not being able to speak back to him and i could hear the tannoy as well on the race thing shouting out and I, i thought they were saying i was seventh um seventh that's all I thought I could hear and I'm thinking oh well, I'm chuffed with that like I didn't even think I'd get through this thing never mind be seventh um and then when I when I'd crossed the line and went to my husband and my daughter they were like really really happy and I thought well, they were it's a bit OTT really but it turned out that I'd misheard it and I was second so oh, that really? would be yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was me in the team for the standard and the sprint was that uh, at the same place? No, it, um, the standard was then going to be in Kitspool. Right, right, yeah. Which, for me, was just like, oh, my 
oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. OMG. I was just like, <laughs> I can't believe this because obviously Kitsville being back in the mountains yeah. and in one year I'd gone from like thinking I was completely never going to be anywhere in competing again. And then I'm, I'm going back to my mountains and competing a triathlon in, in Kitsville. Mm. Oh, I was just completely over the moon. Um, yeah, I, it was, um, yeah, one of them days where you just can't believe that things finally slot into place. And um, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, and, um, I guess, oh, just, yeah, I still can't get over it really that it happened. Um, but I've carried on, um, and every year I think the same thing, can't believe I'm yeah. still so, uh, grateful really to yes. have found the sport. Yeah, that's fantastic. It is amazing. And when I read, like I say, when I read your email, how you, you'd broken it down and how all the different things you like. You couldn't, well, you, I was going to say you couldn't write it, but you did write it because you put it in an email, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's just, wow, that's just fate, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think um, it's, I was 29 when I got into the mountain running team yeah. as a fell runner, which like, it's fairly old to have, I didn't really start racing until I was 24. Um so to then be 39 and it's like going around full circle and you're doing a new sport. Um, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I did, I did feel like it's not just about growing up like physically, but mentally it's done me so much good. Mm. Um, because um learning how to see things that often in at the time feel like a long time, like you think, Oh, I'm, I'm injured it's been six weeks or it's been eight weeks and and then I started to it gave me a real good perspective on time in that yeah. you, you can have 10 years or eight years or however long where it doesn't look like it's going so good um but if you kind of know what you love doing um and what you want to do really then and keep your eyes open then you really never know what's around the corner um and what good good might come I mean like I said I ended up buying roller skates and an elliptical and various stuff because I didn't really know where I were going yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think that the tenacity that you've got as well and you're not frightened to learn new things like you learn to swim like a lot of us do when we we go into this multi-sport lark um, you learn to ride a bike, you know what I mean? See, none of that phased you and all that mentally has like made you stronger. Although you don't think about it at the time because you're just going through it and you're just doing these things to help you stay fit. And But actually, the if you step back and have a look at the bigger picture, you know, you've actually gone and done that. Whereas you could have easily just said, oh, well, I'll, I'll just wait till my leg's better and then I'll start again. But you didn't. And that, again, it's sort of like these things happen for a reason, don't they? You, you got yourself swimming, something else happened. You got yourself a bike, something else happened. Oh, can I put these three things together? Light bulb moment, like we said. And, yeah, it's just it's just a brilliant, brilliant story, brilliant way that you've done it. And you, the tenacity, like I said, that you've not, you've not let go of that dream of doing it is it's just brilliant. And, you know, if this doesn't inspire people, then I don't know what will, you know. 
Yeah, I'd always say like injuries don't don't like they are they're annoying and they yeah. make life look dismal and dark. Yeah. But this, yeah, you know, some injuries you can't come back from. But um, you know, so unfortunately, some people don't. Um, mm. But uh, my my thing there would be, but what can we do? What can you do? Like, what can yeah. you do? I, I yeah. couldn't couldn't do all the things I wanted to do that all my friends were doing. I couldn't do anymore. Um, I mean, I still don't go running up hills very often with friends. I, I, I very rarely even walk up them because yeah. now I think, oh, well, I've got things to do to do with the triathlons the next couple of days. I don't really want to have Sony's really yeah. Sony for two weeks. Well, the other thing is it's preservation, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just, I was just thinking of a, a girl um, who I follow on Instagram and she's been on lots of different podcasts. She's not been on mine. I don't know whether you've seen her on Instagram. Claire Danson who oh, was a triathlete. Yeah. yeah, I mean, her story is just like, look, you know, if you think you can't do something because you're injured, just look at what that girl's been through and now what she's doing. She's amazing. This, um, yeah, this was one of the things with me. I have a friend who's a Paralympic athlete. He, he has um, one arm. And the things he's had to overcome because of that yeah. I, it made me think when I was struggling with my knees and I'm realizing actually it's just a small part of my knees as well and okay it's not a fixable part they, they can't go in and, and fix it very easily um but there's there's para olympic athletes yeah. out there without legs yeah. um, and arms and, and arms and and, and the swimming sides everything yeah and, and it's just, so so, just so impressive it's just so inspirational and you do I, I look I look at and Mark as well um he's a good friend and he helped me so much when I was running as well um and I, I used to I did think to myself well if all these people can get to the Olympics like surely there's some something I can do <laughs> and at the time I had no idea what it would be that had um ignite that fire inside me again because I think that's the thing when you compete in there's like a a passion and a, a drive and and if you lose the one thing that you you're really passionate about and you really love it's not easy to go on that journey to find something else um and I think as individual sports the swim and the bike I, I wasn't feeling it when when I was doing them separately but then mm. when we put them all together and you can tag that little bit of running on. Um, mm. Just felt like the perfect yeah. balance, yeah. really. Yeah, well, it obviously was because of the success that you've you've had. So um, brilliant. So yeah. one of the one of the other questions was I noticed that you said they, that you were coached. How long have you been coached and are you still coached? Yeah, um, Tanya coached me um, from the moment when I was I was laid on a sunbed in Spain and I still wasn't running uh, but I was thinking about things like what can I do now then um, because I was getting to the stage of I was in physio and I knew that day when I'd start to try and run again was gonna eventually happen mm. uh, so I'd started thinking and I actually messaged Tanya from a sunbed in Spain I'd met her on a running clinic a while before she'd mm -hmm. done a, a skills running clinic with Helen Clitheroe. But Tan I got, I, I didn't get to do my skills with Helen on that day. I got um 
I got given Tanya as my coach on the day. Right. And Tanya was the Tanya was the triathlete. Ah. So it's again, it's a bit of fit. Yeah, yeah. It is. So yeah. um so I messaged, I'd kept the details from the running clinic and Tanya's information was on there. Um, and I messaged Tanya and said, I believe you coach triathletes and please, would you mind coaching me? Um, I can't run, but there's loads of stuff I can learn on the bike and swim in. And so maybe we just start there and see how it goes. And that was in 2016. And or it might have been late on in 2015. And so she coached me through my first year doing the selection races and get into grips with the bike a little bit and stuff. I was terrible on the bike. I was just scared of everything. Um, well, that's, and well, that's then, normal. You know what I mean? Why, why would you be any different? Because yeah. it's not, it wasn't one of the things that you did. You only took it up to be able to do something, wasn't it? And keep going. So yeah. You... Exactly. And um, I'd always on the bike as well. I'd always um, tended to want to ride it uphill, you know, to mimic what I was used to running uphill. Yeah, yeah. I was quite good at going uphill, which is nice and slow. But when you talk to me about trying to go fast on a bike, oh, <laughs> I found that really <laughs> scary. Um, so I'm grateful that some of the races, you don't even really have many hills in them. You can stay on the flat and, um, yeah, so one less thing to worry about descending. Yeah. You don't always have to worry about that. So, yeah, so Tanya coached me up until last year. Um, but, um, oh, not last year. That was the COVID year, sorry. It was yeah, the year yeah. before. Um, so I, up to Lausanne, I went to Lausanne. So I had um, Weert and Lausanne. And after Lausanne, I didn't, I asked, I, I said, I, I, I don't want to be coached anymore. Um, that year, I'd... Um, I'd struggled. I didn't quite know what was wrong with me, but oh, another just another thing. But this is a natural thing that all those women will eventually have to go through. But basically, I started going through the menopause, right? Uh, and I was really struggling with um, lethargy, like being really, really tired. And the, mm. the plans, I just couldn't work to a plan anymore. I felt like every day was. I had to, every day I had to kind of work out what was going to be best for me. And I was, I felt like I was making it an impossible job for a coach at the time. Um, and I just, yeah, I just felt like this was something new that was happening with my body and I needed a bit of time to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so, so Tanya didn't coach me last year or this year I've coached myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably another reason why I was so surprised that Valencia went, well um <laughs> because i wasn't expecting it to with yeah because still figuring quite a few things out and i'm only 43 so i'm looking forward to that 45 to 50 age group going up yeah. Yeah, yeah. um but i was surprised to be going through the menopause at such a yeah a, a young, the younger end of it really i mean it's not unknown and but it's no. not not that common um no. Do you think it's more common in, in athletes to go through it sooner from the region I've done? Don't quote me on that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's been more tricky than I ever expected as that. It doesn't get talked about enough. And I've listened to, again, because I listen to a lot of podcasts and sporting podcasts, and my wife's going through it as well now. She's of that age. And so I've lived with it as well. And I, you know, and I, I, I listen if, if as soon as I hear about, menopause and perimenopause podcast i'll listen to it because if i can listen to something and feed back to her and there's there's been quite a few things that we've we've done um 
when I've gained this knowledge, but it it doesn't get doesn't get like talked about enough. Women just are supposed to deal with it. You, you're going to get it. You don't know when you're going to get it. And when you get it, you've got to deal with it. And it's like, yeah. well, hang on a minute. And then there's, there's only one way usually that they deal with it. Go to your doctors and get some tablets. That's it. So how did, yeah, if you don't yeah. mind me asking, how did you deal with it? And how are you dealing with it? Having got it like young? Well, I'd say for probably over a year, I just kept getting more and more symptoms that I didn't quite know what were going on. Um, yeah. And uh, and it, yes, it just didn't enter my head that it was that. But then I'd mentioned like getting hot sweats and things and um, to my aunties and people like that. And they, they'd giggle and like say, oh, like, wait till you're my age and you're going through <laughs> And I'd be like, yeah, but then the more, the more, um, the more sort of the, I'd say things and people would chuckle. I'd think, actually, no, I'm serious about this. And if yeah. they're connecting that to the menopause, I maybe need to have a read about this. So I did. Yeah. And I went to the doctors. And I think, again, what's quite common at the doctors is um, they sort of talked to me about depression um, because I was explaining how sluggish I felt um, mm. and lethargic and not sleeping. And and then I cried because I just didn't know what was going on with me. Um, so, but I, I knew I wasn't depressed because yeah. I knew I was generally happy in life. And I, so, I do you think they talked about depression to you because you were so young? Probably, possibly. Yeah. Do you think yeah. they would have? Do you think? Do you think they would have? If you were ten years older, do you think they would have talked to you about depression? Probably not. No, I never. I never actually asked myself that question until you just asked it. But no, probably not. Um, probably because I was young, they weren't really looking for the all the signs. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I was, I was obviously going to the um, the races, but I was struggling with migraines, and I woke up in Weert with a massive migraine on race day, mm. um, and I took some ibuprofen and stuff, and then um, yeah, just didn't have a great race in Weert, and I was upset. But I just thought, well, yeah, you know, I I, um, I decided I'd wait until I'd see how I got on. <laughs> I just kept seeing how I get on. And then I, after Lucanne, when we were in Switzerland, I'd, I realised, I, I can't remember, I'd listened, I think it was to a podcast um, about um, Andy Murray. And right. he was to a clinic in, um, or he'd been to a clinic in, in uh, Switzerland and it's obviously private, but I thought, well, I wonder how much it is to get some blood tested, like a bit of a health check done whilst I'm over there. So I did the race in Lausanne, had a reasonable day, didn't, didn't well, actually I did have a migraine, but I, by this time I'd got some um, tablets for the migraine that were working. So nice. I went um, and after the race, um, I went to this clinic and they did like a just a full body check really and some bloods on me and again yeah. mentioned the depression um and i'm i was actually starting to wonder <laughs> <laughs> the thing is right here's a question for you you said you didn't feel depressed but how do you know if you've never been depressed <laughs> well, well that's it you see I'm, i did actually um I did start to wonder. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, we were saying earlier no, yeah. about with knees, and as you go along, you learn not to yeah, yeah. just listen to everybody. Um, 
I think maybe, yeah, anyway, they did the blood test and it came back and it was unequivocally like the, I don't know, perimenopause or whatever they call it. Yeah, but basically, perimenopause, like, yeah. Yeah, my hormone levels were so very, very low and he just said, mm. yeah, it's definitely that. No, mm. no question. And uh, I came back to the UK and, and he did actually advise me to get some HRT uh, right. with me um so that's what i actually did and yeah. i must admit i started the hrt and that started it on a friday and i know this because i remember my training pattern at the time and it was a friday and I had a massive migraine again on the saturday morning and carried out obviously taking the tablets they given me and then i went swimming on the tuesday and i woke up on the tuesday morning and i just felt like somebody had turned the lights back on i do not know how else to explain it but it was like something had switched back on inside me and I went to the swimming pool and all my friends who I swam with were there and they like did the usual good mornings. And I said good morning and I smiled, but I smiled from the inside, inside out. out. <laughs> Rather than me smiling from the outside to try and like look happy to everybody when yeah. really inside I was absolutely knackered and probably didn't want to be there and I dragged myself out of bed and drunk three espresso coffees <laughs> but Tuesday morning I actually smiled again and felt felt something had changed inside me um so yeah I I that then has got it's got easier um, and yeah. still been ups and downs and changes because i think your levels are always changing and you're obviously going through something so it's going to be a journey uh -huh. it left me wondering whether or not i could cope with um the big events anymore just mentally not knowing how being out of control with what might happen on the day mm -hmm. but then i thought well there's none of us really in complete control of what happens on race days there no uh, no, There's and we all feel we all feel just from a sporting point of view without without going through the menopause. Just when you're on that start line, you're all over the place, aren't you? Anyway, so it must have been it must have been for you. It must have been hundred times worse, you know, before you got sorted out. Um, so yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, even now um, it's not sorted out. I, I don't see that it can be really, but no. as through those I mean, it's, it's it's better isn't it when i well sorry when i say sorted out obviously it's never sorted out is it because you you it's fluctuated from personal experience with my wife you know she can go and because she's not on hrt she she takes these um herbal tablets instead um mm -hmm. and she can she can be up and down you know from sweats for a few weeks and then nothing you know what i mean so yeah I, yeah, yeah, that was a, a wrong a wrong expression no, from me. No, don't no, don't be sorry. It's fine. I um uh, uh yeah, it's um I think as well, like you, you with this is another thing about the age group triathlon. All through your life you're experiencing different things. And I feel actually lucky because I know there's people it's the, there is people experiencing things a lot, lot worse. Um, and like you say, it's the menopause not talked about a lot. Um, but I decided I would speak about it if I if it in relation to where it's yeah. what I think is appropriate and necessary, yeah. just in case it helps somebody else you know there might be somebody else coming up into the 40 age group and yeah. somebody starts feeling a bit weird and don't understand why and um 
yeah, just to make that a bit of awareness, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's important. Think, and thank you for thank you for bringing it up and talking about because I do think it's important. Um, and yeah, yeah, hopefully it might help somebody who listens. So good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Cool. So you're still on your you're still on your medication for that, and that'll be. Is there anything else that you do that you found that that works and helps? Um, to be honest, no, because I suppose like I've, uh, most of us athletes, I'm not. I don't really like to take anything if I don't have to, and yeah. I'm on the migraine tablets as well. Everything I I get, I obviously check on the the DRO website. Sure. You know, um, yeah, so. Um, so I'm on Zumatriptan for migraines and also the HRT. So I haven't actually ventured into all the things. But what I do do now is I track my symptoms and I'm quite aware of when certain symptoms are likely to occur. So, yes. for instance, before um, Valencia race, about four weeks before, I sort of plotted out my what I'd been seeing consistently in the weeks before and I'm sort of like looking up this sort of cycle of symptoms and what my race day might contain and therefore if there's anything I can do to manage those symptoms so this time for instance I had a lot more uh, rest yeah in the few days or than I've ever had in previous so and also because I don't sleep well at some times again so that was another factor really I knew it was going to be around the time where I don't sleep well so I could sort of plan ahead for that so for me it's just about being a bit more prepared about how I might feel and how it might affect me and then accepting it accepting it and sort of if you can't deal with it you can't do anything about it well you can't um And if you can, you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm pretty reliant on just the HRT, the, the help it's given me. And um, and then basically if a migraine starts just getting the sumatriptan in me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I sound like I'm plugging drugs here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to add to that what, what uh, we, we looked at and was uh, magnesium f- foot cream. Because, you know, you're talking about having issues about sleeping. So we got some magnesium uh, foot cream and, well, I use it now as well. And that's really supposed to help sleep. Um, so that might be something that you want to look at. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'll definitely have a look into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah my wife, she was struggling to sweet sleep and, and still does occasionally. But that when she puts that on, that seems to help. Um, right. Another thing, another thing that we don't do, but. I got my friends to buy because they were struggling to sleep was a weighted blanket. Oh, lovely. I've seen these things. Yeah, they yeah. actually work. Apparently, I, I, like I say, I haven't got one and we don't have one, but apparently our best friends, they got one because they were really struggling and she's also going through the menopause and they got one and they swear by it. So I don't know whether that may help as well. A couple of things there for you to have a have a think about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no I um, yeah, like with um, everything really related to triathlon and sport, it's really good to 
that's what I've really found as well about the triathlon community. Everybody's really helpful on all levels, like training. And, and I, I think as well with the age group thing as well, you can be quite close in age to somebody, but not necessarily competing with them. Yeah. So you can actually strike up some really good um, relationships and be really helpful to each other, which is I, I found is quite unique really to, to uh, triathlon. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of unique things about triathlon, but that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Great. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, we'll move on now to the the quick fire questions. Well, they might be quick fire, they might not be. <laughs> You've already answered one of them about whether you're coached or not, and you were and you're not. So that one's that one's out of the way. Um, what's your favorite bit of kit? My favorite bit of kit, right? Well, my summer favorite bit of kit is my Garmin watch. Yeah. What and Garmin have you got? Um, I have the Phoenix Five. Right. Yeah. Popular choice. Yeah. I much. I must say, I'd really like a six, but got to hang on a little while. Need to just wait for this one to get a bit more use out of it. Yeah. Um, and then um, in winter, I last year I got the Wahoo Kicker. The oh yes. Yeah. thing. <laughs> Oh, Lord, I am so grateful that I've got that for this coming winter because last winter it was amazing. And especially living in the lakes and the roads aren't great on the back lanes and stuff. Sketchy. That's a sketchy bit of road between um, Hawkshead and Ambleside, that's for sure. It was, uh, yeah, well, it was really wet, wasn't it? Really had a hell of a lot of rain while we were over there, but just in one day, actually, and the roads were flooded, so... Yeah, you get um, really beautiful, obviously, days and, and things where the cycling up here is magnificent, but then you obviously get the opposite end as yeah. well. And nice. the road surfaces are not great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so me, me, me Wahoo kicker, I absolutely love that now. Yeah, that's got to be. And are you uh, hooked up to Zwift or something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah Zwift. Zwift. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose that's the combination, really. The kicker without the Zwift, I'm not sure whether that be anything but with the swift it's um yeah. really yeah, good it just makes you know it just makes indoor biking it just takes it to a completely different level so it's fab it does you can get those um interval sessions in without obviously any interruption if you want to do um whatever effort maybe like a six minute or a three minute effort or something you can just get it done and out there um yeah. without any kind of bus and um, i suppose you can anywhere so i love that that you can get a proper session in on there and join yeah. the the groups group sessions yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's just fantastic it really is yeah i wouldn't be without mine um it's i use it a lot i use it in the summer as well to be fair but for things like you yeah. just said that i wouldn't go and do intervals outside but i do them in the on the on the kicker and on uh, Zwift. So yeah, it's really good. It's one of my favorite things. Um, yeah. Right. Next, next question is what um, tools or books or podcasts or any other resources would you recommend for people who are listening that you use? Yeah. Um, anything about other athletes. So like at the moment, I've just bought Alistair Brownlee's new book, Relentless. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, You're the second uh, person who said about that. Yeah, I bought that. Um, 
I also really like um, books. Um, I'm a bit of a mindfulness. Um, I like the mindfulness stuff. Um, anything about um, sort of brain training and positivity, a bit of NLP and things like that. So I, I always go for the podcast where the Joe Wicks one, for example, he's um interviewed some um celebrities and stuff recently and his podcast is really good because um obviously he's very into his health and fitness and uh, yeah. I, yeah anything i think really where the, the dialogue is about um keeping your mind and your body in sound form because i really do think um it's great fun keeping fit physically um but it's so important that we keep our heads strong and happy as well um mm. there's a lot of pressures and stress and things on people these days and um yeah just like a bit of positivity really yeah yeah cool. um Great. fern potter happy place i, I yeah. listen to that um other podcasts and and obviously like these ones that you're doing they're all going to be incredible inspirational stories i'll go through all of them i'm absolutely sure <laughs> Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, next one is what advice would you give to new triathletes or triathletes wanting to get into age group? Yeah, I, this is, um, I, I think I'd say, um, go definitely go for it. Definitely give it a try. Get, get yourself to the selection races. Um, Get familiar um, first by doing a few local races or whatever. Don't forget about working on those transitions because it's, you know, it's really important. Um, you know, you can make up a lot of time in transition. That's so, or if you lose time in transition, it's a lot harder to make it up when you're running or whatever. Um, so yeah, and I'd say be try and be specific. Um I I have a friend who she's quite into she she likes to do swim back and run um but she likes to go out and ride about with um a, a club and they mm -hmm. do quite long um long rides and things but she probably prefer to do sprint triathlon because she's an excellent 5k runner um yeah. And and then she she asked me some questions about fitting in the training and the the amount of time the training on the bike takes, and I always I've said to her, well, if you're doing a sprint triathlon, the amount of time on the bike doesn't have to take all day like it does when you're going out with the cycling club. Just be more specific mm -hmm. about how you're training, decide what you want to do, look at what is necessary for that race. You've, you've got the three sports and the transitions to work on, not just about your fitness, it's all about the techniques as well and the skills involved in the cycling and the, um, and the swimming. So I, I think um, being specific and focused on what your event is to be um, yeah. is the advice I, I, I Yeah, I think that's a brilliant answer because, you know, you don't need to do a lot of training. But it's different training if you if you're doing a sprint triathlon. Doesn't have to be long, but it's got to be like you've just said. It's got to be specific, and that goes right the way from sprint triathlon up to ultra. You know that it, you've got to you've got to you've got to train for what you're going to race, something really. And that's that's brilliant. Yeah, really good answer. Really good answer. Yeah. And I think our final question yeah. is going to be: What are your short term and long term goals? 
And at that point, I'm just going to put a light on because I've realised how dark it is in this room. There we go. Short term. Um, short term, I'm... Uh, well, looking ahead really to next year and I... I'm hoping to do Aquathon for the first time. Um, so that's something new I've decided to have a little go at, see if I like it. And then um, I am, well, we don't know where the Europeans is yet in, um, next year, do we, the standard distance one. No. So I'm hoping to just stay fit and healthy and get myself there in, in good yeah. shape. Um, and then after that, after next year, I go up an age group. Um, right. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, really. I don't know why. <laughs> but, um, well, I think generally the, the reason is that you're the youngest then in that age group, aren't you? So theoretically, and it never works out like this, you think that you've got an advantage over the older ones. But yeah, exactly. it's all relative, the theoretically, Yeah, theoretically, you think that. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen, like, I've seen um, how strong, well, the last, like, say, the 35s to 39s, the 40s to 45s, yeah. and now the next group, everyone, there's so much um, strength in these age groups. So, yeah. so yeah, I guess it's just, you, you also get to come across new people every time you go up in the age group as well, don't you? All catch yeah. up with people who maybe was in your age group and now they yeah. went up before you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe seeing some familiar faces that missed out on for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I'd probably, because um, I won't have done the World Championships, and so next year I might um, try again to maybe get selected for the Worlds for 2023. Um, yeah. But yeah, next year it'll be the Europeans and trying the Aquathon just for some um, different because um, yeah. yeah, I wasn't quite aware that these things existed at, at um, the age group GB level. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I did um, become aware of it, like you say, I thought I could probably just go with my two favourite things and see how that works out. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's uh, we had Nikki Dick on who's who's involved in the GB setup. And you know, these things aren't, you know, public knowledge, if you like. Nobody, unless you're involved in multi-sport, nobody really knows about an aqua bike or an aquathon or a duathlon. Everybody knows about triathlons because basically that's what's on the telly and that's what the Brownleys have done. And it's an Olympic sport, and you know, but the other things, they're just as valid. Um but they just need more, you know, they need more publicity. Uh, so you get a broader audience and you get people who don't like running or don't like duathlon, they don't like swimming or they can't swim. You know what I mean? It's So I think it's, yeah. it's, it's promoting things that are available to everybody, isn't it? So we can all have a go. Yes, yeah. Um, and that's the other one, duathlon. I, I did one of those for the first time this year, so I'm hoping to do... I think from what I've heard, quite a few triathletes use them for good training. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping to do a couple of duathlons locally as well, um, sort of soon and then early on next year, uh, early season next year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose it's just dabbling again and um, yeah, yeah. trying to keep consistent with the triathlons, but having a look at um, what else might be fun. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great place to finish. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Really nice to talk to you. Rich. Thank you ever so much again for coming on. 
and it's been yeah, lovely to meet you. What a great story Candice has and love the way she's put a spin on it to make injuries into gifts and the whole the whole way that she came about getting into try is, um, yeah, it's just looks like fate, doesn't it? So hope you enjoyed that one. Really enjoyed speaking to Candice and um, good luck with everything that you do in the future. So on to our lifestyle hack and this episode um, we're looking at HRV or heart rate variability and that basically means it's the variability between your heartbeats and it measures the activity of the autonomic nervous system um, in response to stress basically and it's the autonomic nervous system which pretty much works to keep everything in balance HRV score that you can get if you take it every day over a period of time um, shows you whether you need to rest or whether you're okay to go and do that that uh, hit workout or the stressful workout um, and it's just a guide basically another guide and I've been doing it for ooh, I download I heard a podcast on it surprise surprise I downloaded the app and I've been doing it ever since so it's been I don't know well over a year I would say maybe two years now and it's dead simple you put it on your phone you put you turn the app on it says do you want to take a reading you put your finger your your index finger over the light or the camera which shines a light onto your finger and it takes a reading um, and it's as simple as that and then it's basically the reading will tell you whether you should proceed with your current workout or whether you need to back off intensity um, because your reading's not very good. And I didn't realise until I started researching it a bit longer, a bit more for um, for this section, that uh, it uses something called, let me get this right, photoplethysmography. Yeah, I have no idea. I had no idea what that was. And it's basically due to light being uh, more strongly absorbed by blood than its surrounding tissues. Changes in blood flow can be detected by the sensors PPG as the light intensity changes. Um, so consistently using this app on my phone and by placing my finger over the camera, which shines the light, like I said, um, onto the skin of the finger, it gives me a reading after 60 seconds. And then that reading, like I said, gauges the HRV and shows me a number. And this number has a range. And if I'm in within my range, um, it's okay. If my range is it's below my range, then I'm overtraining or I'm stressed. Because it's not just training stress. We have life stresses as well that uh, affect it. Um, so alcohol also affects it. Um, so if you've been on the night out on the night before, and it um, it's also got subjective measures on it, so you answer a load of questions, and if you put that you've been drinking, then it'll it'll alter your um, alter your reading. So it basically, it can show if I'm really ready for an intense training session, or it'll tell me to back off. So it's a really good indicator of how our body's coping and whether we're stressed or we're not. 
um, and like I say I use it every morning same about the same time when I wake up um, same position so it's it's pretty consistent and I think the consistency is the key so yeah have a look at it um, the the app that I use is HRV for training and um, very basic and very simple to use you just click on the app and your sheet comes up and right at the bottom it says do you want to measure so yeah it's another life hack it just gives me a gauge and, and uh, how how my body's feeling and what I should do do for training and if you've got any questions um, or you want to find out more just head over to the um, HRV for training website and uh, all the information about a lot a lot more information than uh, I can divulge is on there so you can have a look into it and that's about it for this episode um, thank you ever so much for listening I hope you've enjoyed it and um, if you have please uh, leave us a comment over at Apple Podcast um, a review would be good comments would be ace uh, give us a thumbs up on YouTube if you listen to it on YouTube and subscribe to the channel much appreciated um, as you know all these things help to promote the podcast and get our message out to more like-minded people so yeah thank you ever so much again for listening and um, if you want to get in touch you can get in touch through our email address which is agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on Instagram at amp underscore 1967 you can find us on Facebook at ampgb and you can find us on Twitter at Age Group Multisport Podcast. Our YouTube channel is AmpGB. And if you want to listen to the podcasts on our website, it is agegroupmultisportpodcast.buzzsprout.com. And thank you again. And we'll see you next time. And don't forget, stay safe, keep training and love the process.